This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's Q&As. No special announcements or anything, so let's just jump right in and see what we got. First up, over on Patreon, Tony Escobar was able to finally solve the flickering mister issue. And after everything that happened, it turned out to probably 99.9% just be the 12-year-old TV that they're using. And what ended up happening was... Uh, Tony went through all the same troubleshooting steps all good nerds should go through, format one of the problematic ones, redo it, try it again, try switching resolutions, try grabbing the other one that used to have the problem because Tony had a couple of these and then change it around. And it really just it ended up being change it to 720p and it worked. Now, if I remember correctly, you did try changing resolutions as one of the very first things you did. But this is the problem problem with all nerd troubleshooting is that you might have actually had multiple problems. You might have had a bad, or not, maybe not bad, but a worn out HDMI cable. I didn't think HDMI cables could wear out if you just plugged them in and left them alone, but I learned that a couple months ago when I thought my gorgeous 2016 OLED TV had died and it was just the cable that was there. Uh, I tried reseeding it, the cable just went bad. So I, I actually think that might have been part of the original problem but the real issue is that your TV probably just freaks out with the Mr. Signals. Um, you know, you could try adding a buffer to see if 1080p would work, but that's going to add lag. And if it works in 720p, I'd be willing to bet it's still great. So thank you for all of the troubleshooting steps. Thanks for taking the time to do all that, and especially to go back and recheck everything. Because I know a few people in the comments were kind of hoping you could mess with the Mr. I and I as well. But after everything you'd been through, I certainly didn't want to, uh, I certainly didn't want to suggest that. But it was very cool that you took the time to do it. Um, but you know, totally 100% respectfully, if your TV is 12, <laughs> 12 years old and still working, you got your money's worth out of it. Definitely. So if you're in the market for a new one, there's a couple of OLEDs out that are absolutely amazing. Definitely check out HDTV test, uh, Vincent's channel. And Vincent just did a video a couple of weeks ago about, you know, you could save a whole lot of money if you just bought whatever leftover TVs from last year are out there. Cause there's really not huge gains this year. There's a bunch of little spec bumps and, you know, certain very specific things. Like if you're a, a hardcore PC gamer, you could have 144 Hertz OLED TVs now. But other than that, I mean, they're not massively different from last year. So if you're looking for a new OLED, you know, now might be a pretty good time to pick one up, uh, assuming there's still, there's still some of last year's stock laying around somewhere. I think there are though. I think I just checked. So 
yeah, I mean, I, this was a very interesting problem, and I, I, I think other people who are listening to this probably were as gut as into it as I did because I really wanted to know if there was an issue. And you know, you first mentioned when you first mentioned that you reformatted the card that you got from Pork. I thought, oh, okay, maybe there is something to do with that. You know, maybe there is like a clone program going on, but I guess that's not the issue at all. So it's very cool that you took the time to do all this for us. Also, uh, you offered to donate the extra DE10 Nano. That's really, really nice of you. I would very happily buy it off you because I was about to buy one anyway. But, uh, you know, you don't uh, have to donate. I could probably give you a list of stuff I have that's just laying around here that I could trade you. Because, you know, one of the very awesome things is a lot of people end up sending stuff to me to test. And I'm always very open and honest with I, I am backlogged for months. So there's a chance that I might never get to it. I might just give it to a different reviewer that could do a better job or give it to a person or most likely a facility like Arcade Brooklyn who could actually use it in their setup. And everybody's cool with that. They just, you know, they basically have extra stuff they don't need and wanted to go somewhere where it wouldn't sit in a box. So uh, I have a lot of that stuff around here. So maybe I could, you know, DM me and we'll figure it out. Maybe there's some cool things I can get you. Um, that, you know, I don't know if it would be an even trade for a DE10, but at the very least, you could feel like you got something in return. So thank you very much for everything, all the testing, you know, sharing all of this with us. And uh, I'm glad that the flickering Mr. Saga is finally solved. One more from Tony that doesn't include a flicker. Uh, they love the new 5-volt, 5-amp power supply from Mr. Add-ons, but for their two digital misters, they have to unplug the they have to unplug from the DE10 in order to turn off the device. The analog I.O. boards have a splitter with a power on and off switch. Do I have any suggestions for a safe barrel jack on-off switch that won't cause a power concern? So, um, and Tony said, thanks. Any affiliate links would be appreciated. Thank you so much for everybody who even thinks to ask that. It really means a lot. So what Tony's talking about here is if you buy a D10, it comes with a power supply without a power switch. And if you buy one of the better PSUs from Mr. Add-ons, if you buy the triad one that I like, those don't have a power switch either. But if you have the IO board that splits the input, then you could, that one comes with a power switch. So it's actually a Y cable and a power switch built in. So how would you turn off the one that's plugged directly into the DE10 that doesn't have a switch built in? This is actually why I really love the retro or the um, retro castle case and the Mr. Multi system case because they solve all of that with a real power switch. There's nothing wrong with the Mr. Add-ons ones, but I just I like it when people take the time to to really think about the extra comforts like this. So there's a couple of choices. You could use stuff like this, and this is what I use for my arcade machines because they do have their own power switches, but I have trust issues, especially when it comes to power, especially when it comes to old arcade machines. Plus, some of them are kind of inconvenient. The one in the Sammy Video World's like right there and back, but the one on the Astro City is kind of a pain to get to. So I have just a basic surge protector plugged into the wall. I have the, the power from each arcade machine plugged into one of these. So there's basically two kill switches, three if you count the ones on the arcade machine, but I leave those on all the time. So this is how I toggle each arcade machine, and I could just kick this with my foot because it's right there where I sit, uh, and then the toggle on the main power supply. If your setup is one where your power is right there, something like this would be great, or you could get these that have a remote control with them, so you have a remote power on, power off. Uh, I'm pretty sure the barrel adapter switch is 
definitely going to be a better solution for you. But I always like to 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 share my weird out of the box solutions because somebody watching this is going to go, oh, that's perfect for my other setup that does something else. So I'll leave a link to these two just in case. But what you could do is you could just buy another splitter right from Pork. And the reason that I'm going to tell you to go and buy it from Pork and not just leave an Amazon link is because a while back, a bunch of people were having a lot of problems with those switches. And they bought them from a bunch of different stores, you know, Amazon, AliExpress, eBay. And I think it was actually the same one. I think it was like a white box manufacturer just sold them to a bunch of different stores who slapped their name on it. And people were having voltage drop issues. And as soon as you removed that switch, everything was fine. So the one that Pork is selling, I mean, if, if if he didn't find a good one, he would have nothing but complaints all day long. So I'm positive he got the good ones. Otherwise, we would all be hearing about it. So I I would just buy one of those and not use the second barrel output. You could just put a little piece of non-conductive tape over it. Kapton tape is the best, but that stuff's expensive. So just some black electrical tape kind of annoys me that they call it that because it's not electrical it's non-conductive it's the opposite of electrical but i'm being pedantic i'll move along so you could just do that and that would be a perfectly good solution so i'm sorry for rambling for another couple of minutes about this i just really think there's definitely other people out there that every time i talk about some of the weird and stupid stuff i do they go oh that's perfect so (laughs) either way uh but i'll leave a link to both of these things for anybody interested 60 FPS wanted to follow up with JD Silva's question last week about the PVM 1340 that misbehaves when it's rotated uh, into vertically oriented mode on one side, but not the other. They were wondering, could it be that the degausser is failing? They thought that they would put that idea out there because they had a consumer set that was finicky about the cardinal direction it was facing. And they followed the advice of someone in the Mr. Discord talking about needing a degausser and where it's oriented versus the Earth's magnetic field and where the CRT came from, which is a really weird but true thing. I sold a Mortal Kombat arcade machine from the New York area all the way to the exact opposite upper northwest corner of the U.S., and when it arrived, there was a purple splotch on it. So the person... I believe to fix it, they ended up just leaving it in the middle of their room and rotating it, leaving it on and just rotating it. And it eventually just kind of degaussed itself based on the Earth's magnetic field. But I think if you buy a degaussing wand, that could probably do the same thing, probably better as well. And, you know, another trick is to have another CRT because maybe, you know, since the degausser is failing, put the two screens one in front of the other and use the other CRT's degausser to try to work that. I would, I don't know if I would do that. Um, you know, if you have a consumer TV, maybe, but if you have a couple of PVMs and BVMs, it might be just worth buying a degausser. But JD Silva did actually follow up on this. And as they were moving things around, they noticed the colors corrected suddenly. As it turns out, when they hold one of the speakers directly against a side of the monitor that has the color problems, they normalize. So I'm going to back up a second and say that JD Silva did try messing with the speakers that are next to it. They have an Audio Engine A2 speaker that's a few inches away on the side that has the problematic colors. They initially dismissed the speaker as the problem, as they're stated by the manufacturer to be shielded. But when they removed the speaker from that location completely, the same thing happened. So that wasn't the speaker. So that was still a really good thing to try because I've run into manufacturers that still list their speakers as magnetically shielded. And then when I email them to confirm, they say, oh, we got rid of that years ago. We forgot to update our website. So that's worth it. But when you aim 
a, the speaker directly at it, you can't shield the front of the speaker that's pointing at your CRT because that's kind of, you know, that's, you're not going to get as much of a magnetic field, but that's where the cone in the air comes out is. So I imagine that was probably acting as like a demagnetizer almost. So they ended up grabbing a screwdriver, magnetizer, demagnetizer. On the demagnetizer side, near the top of the monitor, fixed the problem, but the magnetizer side made it worse. So they tried to use another monitor's degauss, just like 60fps suggested, and that didn't really do anything. Um, they did try to gentle wiggle the thing as well, and it had no effect. So is there anything else coming to mind that they could try? I would absolutely buy a degaussing wand now because you mentioned you also have a BVM and uh, a BVM 20 G1U, an awesome monitor. So I would really just say, hey, you know, if you're going to invest in these really awesome pieces of technology, you're probably going to end up investing in some maintenance tools as well. So I would try that. 60 FPS's suggestion of maybe the, in the built-in degausser is failing is a great one, but you could always kind of use these things. You never know when you might need one, especially if you end up with consumer grade TVs or, or like VGA PC monitors or something like that. So, you know, you might want to hit up Steve from RetroTech to see which is a degausser that's still available that uh, that would work well, or maybe he has some for sale. That's definitely a, a good thing to try. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really happy to hear going through all the troubleshooting steps and sorry to make you pick up and spin your monitor around, but Hey, you know, it was worth a try. It would have been really cool if it was just a loose screw bumping up against something or anything like that. But please keep us posted because I'm interested to see what the solution is. Next, Oliver wanted to follow up on the question from last time about integrating an analog to digital audio converter in his setup. And Oliver's got a very awesome and very crazy setup that's kind of implementing a whole bunch of things. And the point that I must have missed last week is that Oliver's looking to get the audio out of the Xtron Crosspoint, not the G-Scarts. And either is a totally fine solution, neither really mess with the audio in a way that your ears would hear. If you're running MD4A analysis, you would get some differences, but not anything that your your ears would hear, provided you have shielded cables and stuff, obviously, and unshielded cables would just ruin anything. Um, so the direct answer to your question is if you've already purchased that Tascam analog to digital converter, what I would do is if you're looking for a click a click and order solution without any modding yourself, I would get the RCA to cross point adapters from retro gaming cables. And then I would also just get a RCA to quarter inch adapter and then get yourself any shielded stereo RCA cables, you know, whatever you would normally use. Anything would be fine for that. And the reason I would use the quarter inch inputs and not XLR is because going unbalanced <laughs> excuse me, to balanced could change the volume, but you're also not having a balanced signal. So if you've already bought that Tascam, you might as well just leave those XLR inputs there in case you ever do have a different piece of equipment that has a balanced analog output to it. You're not really going to notice that much of a difference. Definitely no difference if you're starting with unbalanced, uh, but it's just one of those things where, you know, you can get those components pretty cheap. So, you know, that's a pretty good solution. The other thing you might want to consider, if you look at the back of your cross point and the way it's oriented, if those RCA jacks aren't going to aren't going to fit correctly, you could just get like, let's say your cross point is uh, six feet away from this analog to digital converter. You could just buy a single quarter inch shielded cable that's 12 feet, cut it in half 
and then plug those into the Tascam and then solder. Actually, I don't think you would even need to solder those in. I think you would just need to just strip the wires and put ground and signal into just some Phoenix connectors. And I've linked to those as well. Uh, I didn't link to a quarter inch cable because just any shielded quarter inch cable should totally work like an audio cable um that would be fine and that would work as well i know you you have a pretty complicated setup and you definitely won't have the time to mod cables for every input and output but if your cross point looks like it might benefit from not using for whatever reason not using those rca adapters this would be it you could also look for official extron pigtail adapters uh, but either way, the, this solution should be just kind of an overall good one for you. The only question I have is why that Tascam analog to digital converter? And if the answer is because you already bought it because somebody else said it works in their system, that's a perfectly good answer that I will 100% support. But if it just it just happens to be something somebody suggested, um, you might not need that fancy one. You could just get one of the ones that I suggested uh, and it would probably accomplish the same thing. Now, once again, I know I already said this, but digital to analog conversion boxes are a whole different game. You might end up liking the sound of one better than the other. That's it's a whole rabbit hole to go down, but analog to digital should be pretty decent. And I think that Tascam box was fancy and expensive because of all of the different inputs, including balanced analog inputs so none of these consoles have balanced outputs so uh, if you haven't already bought that i would just probably pick up the cheaper one if you literally just need analog out of the cross point into a box that gets digital audio out you might one of those prozor boxes that i recommended last time it's probably a really cheap way to get around that. But if you have your heart set on the Tascam, if you already bought it, if you just want to use it because you know it works, it's been working well in other people's setups, totally cool. I would just go Crosspoint RCA adapter with some RCA standard audio cables to an RCA to quarter inch adapter uh, or just get one long or a quarter inch cable, cut it in the middle and then wire it directly into the little Phoenix connectors that I linked to as well. 99% sure no soldering necessary. You would just need uh, some some wire strippers or just some patience and some sharp scissors. I don't like doing that unless I have to. Those wire strippers are always good to have anyway. But yeah, let me know if I got it right this time for you. And uh, thanks for sharing the info to make sure that I kind of knew what you were talking about. Next up, Marco Retro wants to know if I know of any custom firmware projects or PCB modifications to get 240p output from an Extron VSC or a Super Emotia 2 that removed the non-interlaced modes. No, I have uh, not heard of anything like that in the works, and I don't know if people would take the time to do it because the GBS control exists, and while that does require a little bit of modification to build, it's fairly easy and very cheap if you could do the work yourself, and it does a really good job downscaling. Now, unlike the Super Emotia, it doesn't downscale to S-Video and Composite as well, which is a, a huge advantage of those boxes, but... I think there's a lot that might go into this, and I don't even know if it's possible. If it's one of those things where the firmware for these chips are hard-coded or encrypted on an FPGA, then it might not even be possible. But also, you know, it might just take less time to build from scratch a downscaler than it would to to try to remodify an old piece of hardware that is probably just going to go up in price on eBay anyway. 
There are a few companies out there that do make downscaling boxes that are a little more expensive. They're probably the originals and the stuff that we see on AliExpress and Amazon for cheap are probably the clones of that. And I've reached out to all of them and they all blew me off. Uh, TV one to uh, Corio, uh, Corio is the company. They actually had a couple of calls with me and then I just think they realized like, Hey, we might only sell a couple of thousand of these. Let's not waste our time. Let's go work on something that's going to sell 10,000, which I can't really argue with that. And I give them props for at least talking to me about it. But there was a couple other companies that I just asked the question, do these boxes downscale to 480i or 240p? And they exchanged a couple of emails and I don't think they had any clue what I was talking about and didn't want to know. So that was really disappointing, but I'll keep looking. Obviously, if I see anything out there, I'll post it up on Retro RGB and go from there. But do any of you who's listening know of any devices uh, are in the works or any custom firmware projects in the works for the Extron boxes? If so, please let us know. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's I'll keep my ears open, but I don't think it's very likely that we're going to see that. Well, that's it for this week. As usual, if you have any questions, please ask anything you got wherever it is that you support in the latest Q&A post, because the way these services work, I can't really figure out what's a new question on an old post. Plus, I like to just read them through in real time like I did today, just like we were hanging out somewhere together. So as always, thank you very much to anybody who supports in any way possible and people who participate in these. And I'll see you next week.